0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Why are you here? If the disciples are even Jesus asked that question to Nicodemus on the night he showed up to talk to Jesus unannounced out of the blue, I don't think he would have been surprised. You see, things were complicated. You have to know something about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And if Pharisees were around today, you might describe him as this, a powerful politician a pretentious professor, and a prideful priest, all sandwiched together into one person. They weren't exactly a fun group to be around. And that was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. And Pharisees had control over the Jewish people in Jesus' day, because what they did is they governed, and they governed the the religious aspect of life. And by their rules and their interpretations, they came up with a laundry list of rules and traditions that they said people had to keep. And if you don't keep those traditions and those rules and those regulations right all of the time, then you can't be right with God. But then Jesus showed up on the scene. And to them, to Pharisees like Nicodemus, Jesus was an absolute rebel. Jesus completely stripped away the idea that you could be right with God, that you could have a good relationship with Him by doing things, by checking the list of traditions and rules that you keep. On top of that, Jesus completely, completely humiliated the Pharisees' idea of of what made a person holy. It wasn't what they did. It wasn't them who were holy. It was him. It was him who said that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah that made people holy. Oh, so it makes sense. That's the reason why the Pharisees decided that they were gonna do everything to crush, absolutely crush Jesus' teaching and destroy him. That's the reason why that, the Pharisees ultimately ended up killing Jesus. Yeah, things were a little complicated between Pharisees and Jesus. And that's why on the night that Nicodemus showed up to talk to Jesus under the cover of darkness, it was complicated. It was complicated until on that one night, one sentence changed everything for Nicodemus, made it all simple. That one sentence, that one verse that I'm talking about is the most memorized verse in the entire Bible, perhaps the most famous, most familiar verse in the entire Bible. And was spoken to that one man, to Nicodemus. And that one verse is gonna be the focus of our sermon tonight. It's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We hear that verse in many different contexts. We at least see the reference at football games on t-shirts and hashtags. But tonight would you consider with me the context that that verse was first spoken to that one man, to Nicodemus, to a Pharisee, to a man who, while the world was still spinning and people were going on with their busy lives, took a break from it all. And for an hour, maybe more, decided to go and find Jesus for no other reason than he wanted to think He wanted to think about this Jesus and his life. It would have made sense if the disciples or even Jesus asked him, why are you here? For him to say, it's it's actually complicated. But Nicodemus left there, perhaps for the first time in his entire life, with, with a different outlook. Things were simple. So why are you here? If I were to ask you that question, I have no doubt that all of you would say something pretty similar to one another. Pastor, it's Christmas. I'm here to think about Jesus, to think about life. But if I were to press you further on that, on why that is, what would you say? I think us here are a lot more like Nicodemus than we may have thought. Some of you are here because like Nicodemus it's it's church it's it's religion it you've been around it your entire life just like Nicodemus and so when there's church especially on Christmas Eve it's what it's just what you do it's tradition Some of you are like Nicodemus because you have questions you have questions and you're searching for answers and maybe maybe Jesus, the Christ, will have him. I have no doubt that if I asked all of you, you'd, you'd give the, the textbook the answer. You're here for Christ because it's Christmas. But if we sat down and we talked a little more about it, I think maybe, like Nicodemus, you might say, well, the reason, the reason I'm here, it's, it's complicated. Because, well, Christmas makes life complicated. If you're following along in your worship guide, that's that's our first fill in the blank for today. That Christmas makes life complicated. Christmas makes life complicated for the mother who really just wants 30 minutes by herself to listen to Christmas music and maybe wrap some Christmas presents, and yet she's wrapped up serving someone else during this very very busy time of year. Christmas makes life very complicated for, for people who do, who, who wrestle with depression and anxiety and are now trying to get through a time of year where there is tons and tons of expectations, holiday expectations, pinning them down. Christmas makes life complicated, makes life complicated for the person who just ended a romantic relationship, and now the 12 days of Christmas, there's no true love, there's no true love giving gifts, there's just days and days punctuated with heartbreak. Christmas makes life complicated for the family, for the parents who are grieving the loss of someone they love, and now every time they look at the ornaments, they're reminded of that. Christmas makes life very complicated. But if we're honest, it's, it's not the season. It's not the month of December. It's not the unique stressors that come during this time of year. Oh, certainly those exasperate things. But it's something far more sneaky than just Christmas. It's something much more insidious than just what's going on during this month. Now, the problem that we deal with that makes Christmas and really all of life complicated is something that, well, we wouldn't know about were it not for Christmas. It's something we wouldn't even know were it not for the baby in Bethlehem. We wouldn't know why it is that our life skews towards the complex, the chaotic, the, the complicated, even as we try to make things simple. And there it is, that word, simplicity. It has, it has a very nice ring to it, almost a magical ring to it, doesn't it? We think all the time, if we can just make our lives more simple, if we can just simplify things, all of our problems would go away. But if you don't know what the problem is, the problem that's complicating Christmas and all of life, well, that makes it awfully hard to solve that problem. And the problem with not understanding the complexity of your problem Well, is that sometimes you think you can solve that problem by yourself. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to take a look at one verse. One verse that's a very simple statement made by your Savior. A verse that Christ speaks, and as he speaks it so beautifully, so eloquently, what he does is not only shine a light on the problem, the problem that we all face, but he solves it. My goal for you tonight is this, I don't know why it is that you are here, but what I do know is this, I pray that all of you leave here like Nicodemus. Yeah, maybe you came here and life was complicated, but my goal is that you leave here having been changed, having been changed not only in this the way that you look at John 3.16, but the way you look at life. So with that, let's look at John 3.16. It starts this way. It starts by saying, for God. It starts that way. At the very beginning of this very simple sentence, what Christ does is he begs us, he bids us to wrap your minds around God, if you can. Well, you can't, but try. Try. Try to wrap your mind around the God who who gave birth to this world and, and do it by thinking about your greatest memories. Maybe your memory of the most beautiful sunset that you didn't make, nor could you even paint. Wrap your mind around the sweetest memory you have, the birth of your child, the wedding, the graduation. Start there. Start there with those thoughts and those moments and think that you did not, you could not even create those times, but God did. God did who was there from the very beginning, who not only created all of those moments from the very first moment of time when he created paradise and paradise was lost, he set in motion a plan, a plan that was memorialized tonight, but was realized in the fullness of time, a time that put you at the forefront of all of history and moved everything to being to bring about your salvation so that you could be by his side forever in eternity. That God, wrap him in your mind. That's what Christ does at the very beginning of this simple sentence. He says, think about that God. For that God so loved the world. And don't just think about the world itself, pretty purple skies or pretty mountains. Think about the world and the billions of people in the world. And not just the nice ones. Think about the looting mobs. Think about the bloody wars. Think about the steamy nightclubs, the sick men and the loose women. Think about the children's soldiers and the children who are sold and, and those who, who force them to be that. Think about them. That world. And you and I are part of that world. We're a part of that world with our own pet sins and our own petty arguments. We're a part of that world with our own guilt, and our own evil that's inside of our hearts. That world. God so loved That world. That world is the one he loved anyway, he loved endlessly, and he loved recklessly. That's what he says. That's what he says again and again in scripture, and that what he says loudly on this silent night is that he loves this world. But so what? Talk is cheap, isn't it? People say they love each other all the time and don't do a thing about it. This last week, I listened to my favorite podcast and the host ended the episode by saying that they love me. They love all the listeners. But let me ask you, what would happen if I sent an email or called them up and said, prove it, prove your love. Buy me a cup of coffee from Starbucks. Do you think I'd hear back? No. Talk is cheap. God says, Christ says that God so loved the world, but so what? What did he do to prove it? Well, God so loved the world, That he gave. He gave what? He gave what? He gave what to the world? Did he give us beautiful summer nights? Did he give us warm weather and warm homes? Did he give us friends and family and precious moments with them? Well, if he did that, it would certainly be enough to thank him again and again for those things. And he did give us those things, so we do thank him. But what he gave us was far superior to that. He gave us a gift, a gift far greater than anything that you will receive tonight or tomorrow. But what? What did he give us? He gave us his one and only son. This past summer, my second son, at just four weeks old, got a very high fever, and we spent a handful of days in the emergency room. Uh, We were there, for five days and it worked out okay because sometime into our stay there, we were told that everything's gonna be okay and everything's gonna be fine. His, his fever's gonna go away and you'll be able to go in the next 24 to 48 hours. Now imagine if when the doctor came in and told my wife and I that news, the doctor also, she said, oh, next door there's actually another child who's not gonna be okay who's not gonna to get to go home. But if, if you gave your son's heart, they could go home. But it would mean that your son wouldn't, your son would die. Who would do such a thing? Even if you had 10 sons, you wouldn't do that for your neighbor, you wouldn't do that for a friend, much less a crook or a cheat. But that's what God did. God so loved the world that he did that. He did give his one and only son. People say, Christians say, that Christmas isn't about giving gifts. They're absolutely wrong. Christmas is all about gifts. It's all about this gift. It's all about the gift of Christ Jesus given for you. God so loved the world that he gave a gift. He gave the gift of Jesus born for you, born to this world. That's what he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, whoever. Now, whoever you are, there's some of you that think now or have thought that God's description of his love, that it was for the world, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to you. You think that whoever you are, you're not a, a part of that world. Well, let me tell you the Christmas story, the real Christmas story. It's a story that's undercut by shame and embarrassment and struggle. The Christmas story is about a young girl who maintained that she was a virgin, but she was obviously pregnant, and people looked down their nose at her. The Christmas story is about a man named Joseph who stuck with his fiancee, even though there was gossip and rumors going around that the kid wasn't even his. Christmas story, it's a story (laughs) about us and the things that, that we've done that we don't want anyone else to know about, that only we know about. Christmas story is about the things we've done and the things that we haven't done, because if people knew we didn't do that or did do that, they might judge us. They might condemn us. But God says, not tonight. He says, no more. He says, whoever you are, whoever you've been, whatever you've done, do not be afraid, whoever you are. For to you, for to you and whoever you are, a child has been born. He is Christ the Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, and it's easy to focus on that first word, but let me direct you to the last two words, in him. Because while our believing is something that happens, that we we do, it's not because of us. It is because of Christ that we believe in him. In him. It's It's not just anything, any medicine that you can give to the sick person to save them. It's not just anything that you can put in the starving person's mouth for them to be well. It's not just anything that someone can hold on to while they're drowning to be saved, no matter how hard they hold on to. It's him, it's holding on to him that makes the believing possible, that makes the believing matter. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Can you imagine that? What it would be like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to die, but then to find out at the last moment you're not. Two summers ago in June of 2018, a, a soccer team uh, and their coach went for a, for a hike in the woods. And after going out during this hot afternoon hike, they decided that they were going to cool down. They were going to cool down because it was late June, and they were going to do that by exploring a cave. Maybe you've heard this story. Thirteen boys, including their coach, um, went in exploring this cave in northern Thailand, And what they didn't know is that the monsoon rains came early. A flash flood occurred, and the water started to pour into the cave. Every natural entrance and exit was blocked off. And here they were, deep into the cave, and they couldn't find any way out. So they started to look for safety. They backtracked almost two and a half miles back into the cave before they found a rocky shelf no bigger than your dining room table that all 13 of them got up on. And they watched. They watched as the waters rose and they waited. They waited in hopes that eventually these waters could go down. Certainly, hopefully, they would overnight and they could leave. But they didn't. One night turned into four nights and they started to hallucinate in the darkness of that deadly cave. Days went by, and with each passing day, their food supply got lower and lower. With every breath that they took, the oxygen in that cave became less safe to breathe. Four days turned into five. Five, six, seven, eight, nine days later, two lights appeared. (laughs) Two lights appeared. (laughs) out of the murky water, and they illuminated not only the boys and their coach, but also the problem. You see, nobody knew how complicated the problem was, whether inside the cave or out. And the problem is, when you don't understand how complicated a problem is, well, sometimes you think you can solve it on your own. I don't know if you remember how that news story broke, but it broke and all of a sudden, every day in the news, you heard about different ideas, different ways they were gonna work to save these teams. There's so many of them. First, they thought that, well, they would just explore the forest and the surrounding area better and they'd find a natural entrance to get into the boys and help them. Then they thought that, no, they're gonna drill straight down and they're gonna drop an elevator into them. But no, that didn't work. They didn't even get halfway, halfway down through the earth to them. Then they had the idea that they were going to bring in pumps and and pipes, and they were going to pump out all of the water out of two and a half miles of cave, but they couldn't keep up with the monsoon rains, and that didn't work. Then they thought that they would bring in scuba gear and that in the cave, they would teach these 13 boys how to scuba dive their way and swim out of the cave. But they added it up and figured out that maybe six, maybe seven people, divers in the entire world, have the expertise it required to swim through water that was as dark as Coca-Cola and maneuver the turns and the tight corners and the currents that were rapidly changing due to the rising waters. One of those divers died, Days previously, there's no way you're going to teach teenage boys in a pitch black cave how to be world class scuba divers. So they tried, and they tried several different ways. You know what they, the two divers, the British divers, discovered when they saw the boys? You know what they saw them doing? They saw them digging. We saw them trying to dig their way out through two and a half miles of limestone. Sometimes the problem is with us. When we don't know how complicated the problem is, we think we can solve it on our own. I don't know about you, but I don't have much experience navigating complex, complicated cave systems in northern Thailand. But I think all of us have experience We have a lifetime of experience navigating complicated problems in our life. Problems that are complicated by broken relationships because of empty promises. Problems because of empty bank accounts or nearly empty. Problems because we have an empty view of of ourselves because of the guilt and the shame that we carry with us, the baggage we have with us because of sins that we've done. We all have a lifetime of of navigating those dark problems. And sometimes it might feel like the walls of life are closing in around us, like we're living in a dark, dark cave and we can't get out no matter how hard we try to dig. It doesn't work. You know how they eventually saved those boys, all 13 of them? They drugged them. knocked them out cold. They drugged them and put a mask, an oxygen mask, over their head, put a special safety suit on them so that they could go above water or below, and they dragged them out. (laughs) They needed to do that. (laughs) They needed to do that. They needed to render these boys completely and utterly helpless. And you know why they needed to do that? They needed to do that because if the boys panicked or the boys tried to save themselves in that dark cave, they would have done more harm than good. And so it is with us. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to go on a rescue mission, to dive into the darkness of our sin, to dive in the darkness of our depression, to dive into the darkness of death, to dive into the darkness of despair and do what we could not, dive from heaven to a manger and do a thing that we couldn't do, die and then rise again. And he did it so that you won't die, but you will have eternal life. Look, it, Christmas makes life complicated, and really, and really all of life is complicated, but Christ makes life simple. Christ makes life simple because Christ makes life eternal. What the coming of the Christ child says, what it means for your life, is that everything is stripped away. Every problem that you have is taken care of. Every problem that you have in life is answered in Christ Jesus. No matter how complicated the problem is, no how difficult it is, the light of Christ coming into the world means this. He has not only illuminated our greatest problems, but he has brought the light, the presence of his light that solves every last one of them. So why are you here? (laughs) If Nicodemus was asked that question, (laughs) he might have said it's complicated and maybe you would too. Well, here's the interesting part. Nicodemus was never asked that in the Bible. You know who was? Jesus. <laughs> That's what Nicodemus essentially asked Jesus when he came to him on that quiet night. Why are you here? And Jesus could have said, You wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's complicated. The problem, your problems, they're, they're too big. But he said, Let me make this really simple. I'm here. Because God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's it. That one simple sentence. It changed Nicodemus' life forever. And you want to know why I know that? Well, Nicodemus is only mentioned three times in the Bible. This is the first The second are when his Pharisee friends were plotting to kill Jesus. Nicodemus said, Hold on, you might want to hear this guy out first before you do that. You know they did it, anyways. You know, the third time? Nicodemus and one of his friends on Good Friday went to Jesus, who who was dead on the cross, and they took him down. Nicodemus was that guy. Who took Jesus down from the cross, prepared his body for burial, and you know what he did? Put it in a cave, and he closed the door. He put it in a pitchback cave, and he closed the door, and you know why he could do that? Because he had every bit of confidence that this one, he believed that this one would come out. He would come out of the cave alive because he had already brought Nicodemus out. He had already brought Nicodemus out of darkness into the wonderful life and light that is Christ Jesus. Nicodemus knew that he had a God. He had a God who so loved him and the rest of the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't die, but they will live and they will live in eternal life forever with him. He's not just the reason for the season. No, Jesus is the reason why no matter where you find yourself in life, whatever you're going through in life, no matter how complicated your problem is, you have a God who cares. The baby in Bethlehem says so. He's not just the reason for the season. He's the reason why you can wake up every single day and know you have a purpose in this life because your life continues into eternal life with him. He is the reason why every single day you can wake up and know where you're standing. You're standing in the grace of God. You're standing in a right relationship with God because every day you wake up, you know that your sins, all of them, whoever you are, they're forgiven. He's the reason why life is simple. He's the reason why Christmas, for you and I, Christmas in Fredericksburg, it's simple. And it's all because God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but you will have eternal life. Amen.